I know there's kids in the room, and so I'm going to keep this really brief. Is that okay? Uh, Tonight, we're going to be reading from Luke chapter 2. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Luke chapter 2 as we read about the first Christmas. This is a story that we've heard so many times throughout our life, and we're going to read it with fresh eyes tonight. So follow along with me, verses 1 through 7. It says, In those days Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quinarius was governor of Syria, and everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea and Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for, for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. Now, I don't know about you, but when a friend or a family member asks us a very personal question about our delivery story, how did it go with the babies, what was the delivery like, that story takes at least... 15 minutes to tell. It is a long and colorful story. All you moms, I'm sure, have your own very colorful story of uh, how you delivered your babies into this world. But the delivery of God's son is seven verses, and it takes about 60 seconds to read. You know, I've been a Christian most of my life, and I've read these seven verses every year. And the tendency maybe to quickly dismiss the significance of the small passage. But this is the moment, church, that God became flesh. God became flesh. God showed his face to humanity, and he made himself visible for all to see and hear. The good news is God is not hiding from us. He is not hiding his face from us anymore. He made himself visible. He revealed himself as a humble, sacrificial savior who was born and laid in a manger among the cattle. Let's keep reading. Verse 8. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. You know, when people experience God in Scripture, the most common recorded reaction is terror. When people experience the presence of God, They're terrified, and often the first thing that the messenger of the Lord or God speaks, he'll usually say, don't be afraid, right? Because people suddenly have an acute sense of their unworthiness in the presence of holiness. But the angels, they don't come with judgment and condemnation. There is no reason for the shepherds to be terrified. But instead, they tell the shepherds, don't be afraid. I have good news that will cause great joy. Not fear, not condemnation. And perhaps some of you need to hear that God has good news of joy for you tonight. He isn't waiting around the corner with a scowl and a big stick waiting to punish you for the mistakes that you've made. 
In fact, he's done the opposite. He's offered his greatest gift to us. And that is what we celebrate tonight. That is what the first Christmas is all about. And he's offering that gift to us once again. Let's finish the story. Verses 13 through 21. It says, suddenly a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, glory to God and the highest heaven and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. And when they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. On the eighth day, when it was time to circumcise the child, he was named Jesus, the name that the angel had given him before he was conceived. This is the story of the first Christmas and the reason that our families come together tonight to celebrate every year. And tonight, I want to spend just a few minutes talking about preparing for Christmas. Specifically, I want to talk about how God had prepared for Christmas. Having children, you know, I've got four kids and, you know, parents, thank you for for this time of, of allowing your children to be in the room. I know it's a lot. That's why I'm going to speed this message along. And so there's grace for you. My kids are just as noisy. Don't worry about it. But, you know, having children brings the wonder back to the Christmas season, doesn't it? And I remember those warm, those warm feelings of coming home to a house decorated with Christmas lights, sitting next to the tree and listening to Bing Crosby and, yes, Mariah Carey and Sync. And now Justin Bieber, and you name it. There's artists all over the place doing every rendition of these songs. But now I get to pass some of these fond memories on to my children, and I'm so thankful. And this year, uh, we really got into the Christmas spirit. I don't normally do this. In fact, I, I can't say this anymore because I've been doing this more and more. But we began decorating our house with all the lights and all the decorations before Thanksgiving. Now, I know, some of you, are that's like really bad. And uh, we, we, we decorated before we left uh, for, for vacation, and uh, we decorated before Thanksgiving. We, we watched a bunch of Christmas movies together. We went on multiple drives through the town to look at Christmas lights. And you see, all of these activities are in preparation or anticipation or celebration for the big day, the Christmas day. We all prepare for Christmas in different ways, don't we? We get a tree. We decorate the house. We wrap presents for people. We watch Christmas movies and listen to Christmas songs. We bake desserts. We clean the house for visitors who are coming for Christmas. We attend Christmas programs and recitals. <sighs> All in preparation for the big day at the end of the year. You see, Christmas isn't just a one-day celebration. It begins long before the 25th of December. Right after Thanksgiving for most people. And if you're like Mary, it begins in July, doesn't it? If you love Christmas, it begins in, in July. And if you're clinically insane, on December 26th, you wake up counting down the days to the next Christmas. But it is something that we celebrate not just on one day. We prepare for this. We, ex we anticipate it. We celebrate it. And just as we prepare to celebrate the birth of Jesus, 
God had also prepared for the birth of his son long before it happened. In 1 Peter 1, 20, it says, He, Jesus, was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but was made manifest in these last times for the sake of you, who through him are believers in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and hope are in God. Long before the earth was made, God knew that Jesus would come as a baby in Bethlehem. See, Christmas didn't begin on December 25th over 2,000 years ago. Christmas began in the mind and the heart of God himself. Long before the, the earth, the foundations of the earth were made. In fact, he was hanging lights in preparation for Christmas when he spoke the stars into existence. He was preparing for Christmas. You know, I don't think that anybody gets more excited about Christmas than God himself. God anticipates the fact that we get to know his son, that we get to know him personally. He's been looking forward to having a relationship with you since before the very start of creation. So how can this thought change the way that we see Christmas tonight? What does it mean that God prepared for Christmas so long before that night in Bethlehem? Well, three things real quick. If God prepared for Christmas at the start of creation, then it means this. Number one, God is not shocked by who you are. He's not surprised by who you are, by what you have become, and what you have done. Whatever you do in this life does not catch God off guard. He knew before the foundation of the world that you would mess up, that you would sin, that you wouldn't be perfect, that you would live contrary to his commands. God is not surprised by what you've done in the past, the addictions that you struggle with. He's not surprised by the things that you have said or the places you have gone. He is not shocked at all by who you are. He's not shocked by your behavior. In fact, that's why he planned that first Christmas in the first place. It was because of your sin that Jesus came into the world. Jesus didn't come into the world to be born. But in fact, Jesus came in the world to die. And that death was not without meaning. He came to die and pay for the surprising, shocking sins that you've committed throughout your life. That first Christmas, ultimately, yes, it was all about Jesus, but in a way, it was about you. That first Christmas was about you having the opportunity to know God himself. It was about saving you from the penalty of your sins and to give you eternal life. God is not shocked by who you are. If God prepared the first Christmas since the beginning of creation, then it also means that God loves you enough to consider your Christmas gift at the beginning of creation. I'm a last-minute shopper. Anybody else? Anybody? Be, did anybody go to Walmart today? Anybody? Go, oh, okay, I see your hands. I wait until the store is absolutely packed with holiday shoppers. And the checkout lines are about a mile long before I go to the store to finish Christmas shopping. But not my wife. My wife is prepared like months before it even happens. She is prepared. And if you think about it, there sure was a lot of time and effort involved in God's plan. The entire Old Testament, all 4,000 years was part of the plan. All the prophecies announced about a Messiah to come 
God went through all of that trouble because he wanted to save you. And if God went through all that trouble for you, God must think an awful lot about you. And he does. He thinks an awful lot about you. In fact, if you were the only person on the planet, God would have done the same thing. He would have done it all over again. Which means that you have meaning to God. When God planned that first Christmas before the foundation of the world, you were on his mind. Now, the world may look down on you. Most people, not even they might not even know you. You may feel like the most ignored, insignificant person in the world. But let me tell you, you are something to God. He sent his son that first Christmas night because you mean something to him. And you have more than just meaning. God absolutely loves you. And love today is a word that's just tossed around by so many people. People tell you they love you in one sentence and they say they love chocolate milkshakes in the next sentence. But in the Bible, we get the word love. Its true meaning is from God. And God backs up this word because John 3.16 says that he loved us so much that he gave his one and only son because he loves the world. You are loved by God. And he proved that by sending his only son to die on the cross. The Christmas plan is all based on God's love for you. So what's the third thing? If God prepared Christmas since the start of creation, it means that God has made a way for you to come to him. You can't get to this loving, holy God on your own. Your sins have made you unclean. They've made me unclean. Oh, that's my kid in the back. Thanks, Mom. My mom's got it. You know what? The reality is, is we're born into the world broken. We're born into the world needing forgiveness. Our sins have made us unclean. But God's plan for that first Christmas provided a way. It's by faith in that baby who was born in the manger. It's by faith in that baby who grew to be the one who was crucified on the cross. God's plan before the foundation of the world was to provide you a way to be saved and live with him forever. And that plan is for you to turn from your sins and trust in the work of Jesus Christ on the cross. You can fulfill God's plan tonight by coming to Jesus Christ. I want to invite Mary to come back up. And in a moment, we are going to light the candles. But first, before we do that, I wanted to extend an invitation to some of you tonight. Maybe, maybe you've lived your whole life, and we're going to be joined by the chorus of the babies. So don't worry. But maybe you've lived your whole life not truly understanding that Christmas was truly for you. That God sent his son on earth for you. That he loves you so much to die for you. And so would you close your eyes and bow your heads before we light our candles. I want to offer an invitation for those who might be in this place. And maybe you've never invited Jesus Christ into your life as your savior. This baby that was born in the manger, maybe you don't know him personally as your Lord, as the one who came for you. And if that's you, and if you say, tonight, I want to know Jesus as my Lord and Savior, would you just raise your hand right now for me to see? Raise it high. If you've never prayed this prayer before, this is your first time. I see your hands. Thank you, Jesus. God has a plan and a purpose for your life, and it begins when we say yes to Jesus and we give him everything that we have. And so tonight, as we close with a song and light a candle, I want everybody to first repeat after me in this prayer. 
Heavenly Father, just say it out loud. Heavenly Father, I love you. Would you forgive me of my sin? I admit that I need a Savior. And I ask that you would come and be the Lord of my life. Give me your Holy Spirit to empower me to walk in your way. Teach me how to be like Jesus. In your name I pray. Amen. Amen. Let's lift up a shout of praise for the people who raised their hand tonight. Thank you, God. You know, please don't leave. Don't leave tonight. If you said yes to Jesus, don't leave tonight without telling somebody about it. You know, this is just the first step. We start here. But you need to talk to somebody about it. Keep coming to your church. Whether this is your church home or you go somewhere else, keep being a part of a church family where people can build you up and invest into you and who you are and help you grow. We all need one another. But Jesus loves you so much. And you know, the Gospel of John describes the birth of Jesus in this way. He said this, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made, and without Him nothing was made that has ever been made. And then he says this, in him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. So tonight, would you just get out your candles with me? Tonight, we're going to light our candles as a reminder that Jesus is the light of the world that cannot be overcome. And I would just ask as we pass around this flame, as we pass around this flame, make sure that uh, those with the unlit candle... Would you dip it towards the one that is lit so you don't drip wax all over the chairs? That would be wonderful. But I'm going to take this candle around, and you can go ahead and just just put your, put your candle right up to that. And then we will sing this song. So join us as we sing this song.